to the High Praises Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Jesus, we exalt you in this room today. We pray that you be glorified in the midst of us. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your anointing that breaks yokes. And God, we ask that you have your way in the midst of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mark's Gospel chapter 8, verse 22 through 26. I know I don't have to do this, but I see my my mother and my father in the house. I just want to give uh, praise to God for you all. Amen. God bless you, my sister. Mark chapter 8, verse 22 through 26. The word of God says, then he came to Bethsaida. And they brought, brought a, a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit, it, spit on his eyes, he put his hands on him. He asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. You may be seated. Today we, we want to talk about um, touch me again, Jesus. Touch me again, Jesus. Um, adjust my vision. Touch me again. Adjust my vision if, if we could... If we could coin it into something, I guess we would say he's adjusting my vision because I do believe this God is always at work in our lives. Amen. Um, I, I believe, I believe the Lord desires to do mighty wonders among his children. Anybody believe that with me today? I do believe that. I believe he desires to do mighty, mighty wonders among us. I believe it is his essence. I believe it is his nature, his being. He tells us in his word, if you being carnal know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give good gifts to those who love him? Um, In the church age, past and even present, I do believe that there's been some issues. When Jesus Christ was on earth, he was... According to John's gospel, chapter one, he was the word that became flesh. He was he was 100 percent divine and he was 100 percent human. Um, Don't let nobody fool you. You are 100 percent saved if you're saving you 100 percent flesh. You got to make a decision every day who's going to win. Amen. So when he was on earth, he was with them physically. And when Jesus was with the. Apostles physically, um, we find a very interesting conversation between Jesus and the disciples in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16. He asked them a question. He says, who do men say that I am? And they said, Jonas, Elijah, one of the prophets. He said, but who do you say that I am? And he responds and says to them, uh, Peter does, thou art Christ, son of the living God. Jesus responds, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Blessed are you, Peter, for upon this rock I'll build my church. The gates of hell should not prevail. 
And we got to read on because as we read on in the text, we find that it's more to the text than stopping just right there. Because in that moment, Jesus does what? He praises Peter. He he applauds Peter. He tells Peter where, where the revelation came from. But on that same dusty road that they were walking as they continued on, Jesus made a quick right turn that the disciples were not ready for. And he begins to tell him about his death that was up and coming. When he begins to tell them about his death, Peter begins to say, no, Lord, this should not take place. If all else fails, I'm going to stand with you. And Jesus turns to Peter and Jesus rebukes Peter. Herein is the revelation of that text that we see in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16, Peter was not willing to go beyond his previous revelation of who Christ was. He could receive Christ as the son of God, but he couldn't receive Christ as the one that was going to be crucified to atone for the sins of the world. And I believe that is a problem that is even prevalent in the church today, the church age. Some of us refuse to move beyond what we've always known. I don't mean doctrinal things. I do believe doctrinal issues, they stick with us. We believe what we believe, but I do believe, however, that the methodologies of God change as time goes on. And as time goes on, we must move with God instead of resisting God. Because how many of you know you don't want to be like Saul? Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why kickest thou against the prick? You don't want the needles of God stabbing you in the back of your legs. Amen. Instead, you rather just go with God. And sometimes in 21st century church, we try to create uh, our own perception of God that's not reality. And because we've done this, God can't function the way that he desires to function because we've placed him in a box in which he said in his word, I won't dwell in anything made by the hands of man. I won't dwell in thoughts of man because in Isaiah, he says, as far as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways from your ways and my thoughts from your thoughts. Lazarus, when Jesus spoke and said, come forth, comes out of the grave and Lazarus had his grave clothes on and Jesus speaks to the family and says, loose that man and and let him go. And I'm here to tell us today that sometimes we have to reverse that and we have to look at God and we have to loose God to be God to do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. And it may not be the way you want it done, but at least God's going to do it. Amen. He doesn't always show up the way we think or want him to show up, but at least he shows up. I don't know about you, but I celebrate the fact that God does show up when he shows up. And when I don't know about your God, but when my God shows up, he shows up how I need it, when I need him. Amen. He's right on time. Hallelujah, someone. So praise him that he does show up. See, many of us, we have a certain perception of God. Perception is everything because of our perception of God, we've locked him in and we perceive and we perceive him a certain way. We perceive and perception is the way we define a person or we define a situation. We believe that he is a healer, but many of us will never receive the fullness of healing because we believe that he has the power to heal a headache, but he doesn't possess the ability to heal cancer. He has the power to do certain things, but he does not do all things. I know 
I know, I know, and I said this before, but I know that we are a Pentecostal church and we do believe in the, the power of God. Amen. Somebody say the power of God. Hallelujah. If you don't, you need to start believing in it. Get sick and really need God. You'll start believing in something. Amen. We believe in the power of God, but, 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 but what I'm talking about here is individuality because everybody's not on the same level in their core beliefs, in their faith. Satan has tried to lock us in that God is able to do certain things, but he's not able to do all things. But touch somebody beside you and say, the God I serve is able to do all things. Yeah, yeah, because the devil is a liar. When we read the word of God, Ephesians 3 and 20 says he's able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. So I believe what God is doing in this season is he's taking the church through a process of adjustment. Sometimes we, we simply need to be adjusted a little bit. He wants to expand our theology, and he not only wants to expand our theology, I believe God wants to expand our ideologies. We know he can do all things because he's God. He is who he is. We know, according to Philippians 4 and 13, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But he wants to do what? He wants to expand our capacity to receive. That's what he wants to do. He wants to expand our perception of him. How we, how we see him. He wants to adjust how we see him because... If you know anything about perception, how you perceive a person is how you will receive a person. How you perceive God is how you will receive from God. There was a scientific study done a long time ago, and I don't know what your situation was at home, but it talked about uh, 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 psychological and physiological things. And psychological, of course, deals with the mind and the way the mind thinks and functions and Sometimes psychologically we get ourselves into things, but on the physiological side, physiology deals with biology, which deals with DNA. And if you know anything about DNA, it's some stuff that you got yourself into, but it's some stuff you inherited. It passed down to you. You didn't ask for it. You didn't want it, but you deal with it because the people that came before you did it. And so sometimes dealing with the physiological side of things, how we saw our Father in our home is how we view our God that is in heaven. It's about perception. How do you perceive? How do you perceive God? Because God wants you to remove the shackles from your eyes to be able to receive him in the fullness of who he is. He is a healer. He is a way maker. We, we, we came out of Jeremiah not too long ago, Pastor. Jeremiah said he's my battle axe. Amen. That's who God is. Amen. He's a whole lot more than that. But we need to start expanding our vocabulary and how we see God. And sometimes we just need to wake up and start coming up with a greater vernacular of who he is and let it come out of our own mouth. God, thank you that you are a way maker. Thank you that you are a healer. Thank you that you are my peace. Thank you that you are my joy. Thank you that you are the wheel in the middle of a wheel. Thank you, God, that you are all that and then some. <laughs> because listen guys when you magnify something you enlarge it in your sight if you magnify God you enlarge him 
So instead of enlarging the issues of life that you deal with, you need to enlarge the God that you serve. In Jesus' day, some had the hardest time accepting Christ the anointed one because all they knew was Jesus the carpenter. And they wouldn't let him out of his earthly occupation to walk in his divine destiny. They wanted to keep him locked in to Jesus, Jesus the carpenter, but he was God. He was, he was God incarnate. Come on, somebody. That's who he was. And, 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 and sometimes, amen, you used to be one thing, but when God gets a hold of you, you begin to change and you become just like that old good old show, the Transformers. You begin to change into something else. Amen. And people keep talking about what you used to do. And you know, that's what I used to do, but you ought to see me now. Hallelujah. Look at what God has done now. I used to go there, but I don't go there anymore. I used to hang around those kind of people, but I don't hang around those kind of people anymore. Why? Because a change has taken place in my life. He has changed me. He has transformed me. That word transform is metamorpho in the Greek, and it is a metamorphosis that's changed. I've gone in the cocoon of Jesus Christ, and I came out victorious, and I came out stronger, and I came out more powerful than what I used to be. Hallelujah. I want to challenge us in high praises. Amen. This is good. This is a word for you. I want to challenge us. Please do not get used to pastor's anointing. Please don't get used to how you perceive him. Pray for him all the time. And, and when, he, when, when, you, when we come to church, amen, come with high expectation that God, you're going to use our man of God to speak into my life and to change me and to transform me. And when I leave, I won't leave the same way that I came in. Don't change how you perceive our pastor. This text today deals with the process of adjustment. That's what it deals with. And you need to know this, that God's processing is not comfortable for the moment. Processing is tough. It's hard sometimes when God is processing you. But if you allow God to process you, after he's done processing you, you will be able to handle the weight of the next level. You will be able to handle the weight of the next dimension. You will be able to handle the weight of the promotion because to much is given, much is required. And if you don't change trying to get something new, the old you going to ruin the new thing that God did in your life. That's why you got to change. We got to change. Amen. I know it may seem tough and it may seem hard sometimes, but, but when God is finished processing you, he's going to position you in the right place, at the right time, at the right season. You say, I want it now. God says, wait. You say, but I've been waiting, Lord. God says, keep on waiting. Because I know when you are going to be at the perfect season in your life to receive what I want to do in your life. That's what Romans 12 talks about when he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. We got to present ourselves a living sacrifice unto God. When we present ourselves a living sacrifice, God begins to do the amazing thing. So you need to know today that God, the God of our salvation, takes us through process. Touch yourself and say, he takes me through process. Whenever he's trying to take you through to another level, Whenever he's trying to take you through to, to another plateau, whenever he's trying to take you through to another dimension, 
He takes us through process because he never just wants to give it to us. And the reason is because he wants to make sure that you know that you didn't get it by your family name. You didn't get it by your scholastic achievement. You didn't get it because of who you are, but you got what you got because of who God is. Somebody give God a shout for who he is. I didn't walk into my position because of my ability or because of my skill, but the reason is because my God sits high and he looks low and he decided to favor me. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for favor. Thank you, Lord, for favor. Now, in our text today, there are three figures in the text. The first figure we see in the text is identified by his name. His name is who? Jesus. The second figure in the text is identified not by his name but by his disability because we love to label people yeah (laughs) I'm talking about church folks we love to label folks this man is a blind man we talk about Bartimaeus we don't say Bartimaeus who's no longer blind by the way we talk about blind Bartimaeus We love to label people. The third is identified not by name or disability, but by a group of individuals. This third group of of, of people are identified as the ones that brought the blind man to Jesus. So they bring this blind man to Jesus, and Jesus begins to function in his purpose by executing process. That's important. Let me say that again. Jesus begins to function in his purpose by executing process. He will always execute process first because he's not going to just show up and bam, here it is. He wants to process you so that you can be ready for it. We've already discussed that, right? So how does he execute his function, uh, function in his purpose by execute process? How? The first thing that Jesus does is he reaches out, he takes this blind man by the hand, and he leads him out of the city. That's the first thing that Jesus does. So they bring him to Jesus. What did Jesus do? Jesus reaches out, takes him by the hand, leads him out of the city. Mm-hmm. The Bible does not say that Jesus asked him one question. He didn't talk to him about his situation. He didn't want to know what he did to get where he is. He didn't talk about his life. All the Bible says is that Jesus loved him enough that he reached for him, took him by the hand, and led him out of the city. And I don't know who this is for today, but I am so glad that when my life was a mess, the God of my salvation did not have a lot of conversation with me. Amen. But he loved me enough that he reached for me. (laughs) Come on, somebody. When I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more, but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry up from the waters. He lifted me now safe in my amen. Somebody shout, it was the love of God. Yeah, the love of God. Jesus didn't have a lot of conversation. He just reaches out grabs him by the hand, leads him out of the city. And note, not only what Jesus did, but note what the blind man does. The blind man didn't resist or ask him, where are you taking me to? All we see is the man's actions and the man's actions. He says, Jesus, where you lead me, I'm going to follow because it's got to be better than where I'm at right now. 
I can't see nothing right now. But being blind did not affect my hearing. I've heard of you, Jesus. I've heard of some of the things that you've done. I heard that you walked on water. I heard that you turned a happy meal into a large mega meal. God, I've heard some things about you. And so, Jesus, I've heard enough to know that where you lead, I'm going to follow because what you got, I need. Because I walk by faith. And not by sight, and I'd rather walk with you all day than to stay in the situation that I was in. I can't see, but I walk by faith and not by sight. Somebody need to hear that today. You walk by and not by. Hallelujah. It's amazing to me that Jesus led him from a few things as he led him out of the, out of the town. First thing he led him out of was his comfort zone. Everybody say comfort zone. He removed him from what was comfortable to him. If you know anything about blind folks, blind folks have to be around comfortable surroundings to navigate without bumping into things. They know that in their home or in their space, if I take five steps up, turn left, that's the restroom. If I take right, go back down five steps, walk ten paces to the left, that's the kitchen. They know that Jesus says, I'm going to execute my process by taking you out from what you are familiar with because what I want to do in your life is going to totally redirect how you look at everything. It's going to totally change how you've been doing everything for the last couple of years of your life. Hallelujah, somebody. So he leads him from his comfort zone. Jesus wants to get somebody in this room today from their comfort zone so that he can do Something amazing in your life. The second thing he does, he takes him away from the people he thought he needed to thrive and survive. And the reason some of us can't move forward is because we're so codependent upon people who don't have the power to deliver us. Connected to folk who don't have nothing to offer us. Amen. Jesus had to pull him from those people. So Jesus takes him out of the city into an isolated place. Listen to that. Do not be alone when you're all by yourself. You look around and it seems like everybody got somebody but you. Yeah, you need to celebrate that moment. Amen. Bible says in all things we ought to give thanks. Amen. You ought to celebrate when you're married, but you ought to celebrate when you're single. Amen, single people in the house. I said, amen, single people in the house. I said, amen, single people. You don't want nobody to know you're single? Beyonce said, all the single ladies. Amen. I want to say some other <laughs> So Jesus takes him out of the city to an isolated place. He's alone with the master by himself. Jesus then spits on his eyes. Seems to be an insult. I can see if the blind man was still with his friends. Because if I'm still with my friends, my, my homeboys, then, and they see you about to spit on me, they might just pull me out the way. No, not that. But how many of you know Jesus got a way that's mighty sweet? Amen. 
Jesus knows what's missing, so he knows how to give it to you because Jesus is the source from which all resources flow. Matter of fact, Jesus is not just a source. He's the only source. So Jesus knows exactly what's missing in this man's life. He leads him out of the city, spits on his eyes, lays hands on him, and he asks him the question, what do you see? That's a good question for us in this room today. In your life right now, what do you see? In your situations right now, what do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Jesus asked him this great question today. The Bible says the man looked up. Listen to me. The blind man looks up. That would mean that there was no possible way, amen, that the man could be at the same level that Jesus was. The Bible says, Jesus says, what do you see? Now, if I'm standing next to you and I say, what do you see? And you look around, the blind man looks up and sometimes Church, what we have to learn to do in the presence of Jesus is change our posture. Don't go to him like you big and bad and got you on, you know, you know. No, no, sometimes you got to learn to lay prostrate before God. You got to learn like, like Joshua did when Ai had the nation of Israel running. Joshua tore his clothes and fell on his face, face with sackcloth and ashes and say, God, what's going on? You got to learn to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and God will begin to move. So this man's posture was he was on his knees when Jesus does this and he looks up when Jesus asks him, what do you see? The blind man responds, I see men like trees walking. That was his response. He says, I see men like trees walking. Now, I want to challenge some of us in here today, how we see this, because some biblical theologians have the belief that the man had to go through the process of faith building in order for him to get to the place where he could see clearly. So Jesus takes him out of the city. Jesus spits in his eyes. Jesus lays hands on him. And his vision was distorted. Really? Come on, when, when Jesus does something one time, he does it right. Because he's Lord, right? I believe that when Jesus lays hands on him, what I believe is Jesus releases too much. Oh, my God. I believe Jesus releases too much of who Jesus is. Oh, my God. Because, 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 listen to me. You, you say, wait a minute, preacher. How can, how can you say Jesus releases too much? Because the man was too descriptive in what he saw. Listen to me. <laughs> he didn't sound speculative. He didn't sound like he was hallucinating. Jesus asked him a direct question, and he gave Jesus a direct answer. Jesus says, what do you see? He responds, I see men like trees, and they're walking. He didn't say, I think I see men, and, 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 and they possibly look like trees, and I don't know, maybe they're crawling, maybe they're walking, I don't know, Jesus, no, 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 no. He was absolute, he was descriptive, he was very clear in what he saw. So I don't believe that his vision was distorted, I believe Jesus gave him too much. 
because it's one word in the text that lets me know that Jesus gave him a lot. What is the word, Pastor Terrence? I'm glad you asked me. The word is tree. Everybody say tree. Whenever you study scriptures and you see the word tree attached to a man, it normally deals with that person being solidified, established, rooted, and grounded. Whenever you study scriptures and you see tree attached to a person, it deals with them being solidified, it deals with them being rooted and grounded, it deals with them being established. That's why someone says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the path of sinners, sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is where in the law of the Lord and on his word does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters. Amen. So maybe, just maybe when Jesus lays hands on him, he releases, watch this. He releases revelation into his mind on how he's supposed to see himself in his future. Because Jesus is not just concerned about your now. He's concerned about today. He's concerned about your tomorrow. He's concerned about your next week. He's concerned about your next year. Hallelujah. So he releases on him how he's supposed to see himself in his future. This is why we need Jesus to adjust us because we need to change what we think about ourselves. We need to change how we see ourselves. Amen. You need to see yourself the way God sees you. And in Psalm 139, he says, I fearfully and wonderfully made you. I've created you in my image and in my likeness. Genesis chapter one. Amen. That's how you need to start seeing yourself. When you're made in the image of God, that means you look like him. When you're made in the likeness of God, that means likability. Let us make. He spoke and it was. Psalm 45.1, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Let us make. I can write with my tongue what I say. One pastor preached a message about I am. And he said, when you say, whatever follows I am, everything in the universe is going to chase you down of what you just said I am. I am so poor. You keep talking like that. Amen. Yeah, yeah. You need to start saying the opposite of what, where you are. Even though your reality may be there, you need to start speaking some positive things over your life. Some positive affirmations over your life. So we see in this text today. We see three touches in the text. First, touch when Jesus reached out, took him by the hand, led him out of the city. This is the touch of compassion. The second touch, when Jesus spits in his eyes, lays hands on him, this is the touch of revelation. You got to see yourself in your future. You got to see who you are once you've been adjusted. The third touch is the touch of adjustment. God wants to adjust how you've been looking at things in your life. So Jesus shows him in the spirit, watch this, who he is supposed to be. And then Jesus adjusts him so he can walk it out in the natural because you got to work out your own salvation with fear and with trembling 
So Jesus will show you where you're going, but he'll put you back in the natural so you can begin to do the work to get to where he showed you you're supposed to be at. So verses 22 through 25 tells us how to gain vision. But at verse 26, verse 26 tells us, watch this, how to maintain the vision that God has given us. What does verse 26 say? Verse 26 says, he sent him away to his house, saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Now, sometimes, guys, when I read this, I struggle with it a little bit because Jesus tells him, after he's given him back his vision, he gives him this specific instruction. He tells him, go home. Go home. But my question is, how would he know where home was? He's blind. In order for him to know where home was, he had to be able to see at one season in his life. And the reason he lost his vision was because somewhere in life, something happened along the way that took his vision. Amen. And he could no longer see. But aren't you so glad that one touch from Jesus can give you back everything that you lost? Amen. That you not only, hallelujah, when the scripture says your latter shall be greater than your former. Amen. You not only go back to get everything you lost, but God begins to take you into greater and take you into more. Because why? He has adjusted how you see everything. Hallelujah. I just want to encourage someone in this room today. Allow God to touch you again. And allow God, amen, to change your vision. Adjust how you see things. Because perspective is everything in life when you're going through things. So go ahead. Stand on your feet with me right now. Go ahead and say, Lord, touch me again. Adjust my vision. Adjust my health. Adjust everything about me. Adjust how I see finances. Adjust how I see marriage. Adjust how I see my family. Adjust how I see my way with children. And guess what? God will begin to tune. He'll fine tune you. He'll begin to adjust. He'll begin to adjust he'll, he'll begin to adjust and one of the things you can pray and say Lord if you look inside of me and you find anything that shouldn't be Lord remove it take it out of me create in me a clean heart renew in me a right spirit Lord help me to walk righteously before you God simply means being in right standing with God and God wants somebody in this room to know today that he will begin shifting He'll begin changing. He'll begin adjusting. I was telling the first service, you're looking at somebody that knows firsthand what adjustment is. I thought, I thought personally that my wife and I, we had reached a great place in life and bam, out of, out of the blues, a car wreck happened. You don't see it because you see me walk around and you don't know that in my right hip, it's arthritic. Because in this car wreck, my femur jammed, jammed up inside it, crushed everything that was in there. And instead of the orthopedic surgeons giving me a new hip, they decided to reconstruct. 
They told my wife that I would be back at work in three months. Three months passed, one year passed. I got an arthritic hip. Why? Because the cartilage ate out. It began to fuse. Bone began to grow all around my right hip socket. It fused so that somehow or another the power of God. I'm telling you, when I, when, I, when I talk about the grace and the power of God, God began to somehow or another fuse this hip and give me grace in the midst of a mess. Guess what? October the 10th, that was 12 years ago. October the 10th just passed. was 12 years ago. I have not gone back to work yet. We lost finances. We gained finances. We lost finances. All these things happened in life. But guess what? I told the first service this. Out of all things, I remember laying in the hospital bed. I was crying out to God. How did this happen to me? And I thank God for the right mindset. You got to have the right mindset in a lot of things. I thank God that one of the decisions that I made in life was I wasn't going, I wasn't going to listen to a lot of secular music anymore. I was going to cut it because it, it drove me, the music, this is what they were talking about. It would drive me back to who I used to be, and so I cut it, and I started listening to WLFJ. And I remember laying on the hospital bed. I remember one evening, the nurses had left, my wife had left, my child was five months old at that time. I couldn't even barely hold him. I was in so much pain. Every rib cracked on the stern wheel. Every rib cracked. Stern wheel collar. I'm doped up on morphine. Everybody's gone. But I was still Terrence. And I remember the, the morning that came over me. I told myself to get up. And I tried to move and I couldn't. Get up. Tried to get up, I couldn't. They hadn't even performed the surgery yet. Morphine is taken over. And all of a sudden, I begin to wail. And I begin to cry. And you know what God did? God gave a song. He gave a song. No, I'm not telling y'all to sing this. He gave a song. And I thank God that I had been listening to this song on Christian radio. And I don't, I can't, Casting Crown, I can't remember who wrote the song. But the song that, that I'm talking about, two o'clock in the morning, I'm crying, and all of a sudden, I praise you in the storm came. That's what I started singing to myself. God, I'm going to praise you in the storm. And I will lift my hands. For you are who you are, no matter where I am. Though these tears I cry, you never left my side. I praise you in the storm. I'm laying on that same hospital bed a day or two later. Somebody comes in. I'm thinking they're going to bring me some good news. They brought me a book. I'm in pain. I don't feel like reading. Last thing I feel like doing right now, I didn't want to read the Bible. I didn't want to read anything. I just, I was in pain. Somehow or another, God told me to start reading this book. I started reading this book. Revolutionized my life. I don't remember whether it's 60 or 90 minutes, but it's 60 to 90 minutes in heaven. So I'm reading this book, and I get to the place where this guy says, my life would never be what it used to be 
but I thank God for my new normal. And it, it gripped me. Terrence may not be the same again that I, I told first service. I laugh when it comes to Jaron because they, Jaron, you know, they be out balling sometimes and I'd be like, boy, if it wasn't for this hip. I used to love to play basketball. If it wasn't for this hip, Jaron. I can't do that anymore. But I celebrate now what I can do. Amen. Sometimes you got to forget about the past and, and look at what God is doing in the new you. Amen. You may not ever be the same again, but thank God that he's adjusting you. He, that night he adjusted my vision to say, Terrence, yeah, you're going to go through this. I knew in my sovereignty it was going to happen. You may not ever be the same again, but thank me. You could have died in it, but I let you live through it and I'm going to carry you through it. One, 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 one poetic writer said, I was walking on the seashore and I wanted God to be with me, but I saw one set of footprints in the sand. And I kept asking God, where are you? Where are you? And long story short, God spoke up and said, those footprints you see are not your feet walking, they're mine. I'm carrying you. Don't you praise God sometimes that he carries us when we are at our lowest in life. Oh my God. I'm asking all the workers to come on right now and listen. If you're in this place today and you need God to adjust your vision, to shift and change you, change how you see your circumstance, change how you view what you're going through right now. If you're in this place right now and there's some anointed hands right here to pray for you. Why don't you just step out by faith and say, Lord, I'm here. I can relate. I may be dealing with some strongholds, but God, I can relate. Adjust my vision. I'm coming out. Come on now. That's you. Come on out now. He wants to adjust your vision. He wants to shift. He wants to adjust. I thank God for the anointing that's in this room right now. Even in the first service, listen. Pastor got up and started talking about bitterness. And I don't know who this is for in this room today, but somebody in this place, somebody did something to you that got you bitter right now. I want to give an altar for you also because my wife and I, we know what bitterness is all about. We know. We've been through it. We, we experienced something called church hurt. It's one of the worst hurts you can experience. We were 10 years into our marriage praying the whole 10 years that we would have children. Wasn't happening. And one day a prophet stopped by my house and he said, God gave me a word. You won't believe what God, he said, God gave me a word on bitterness. I preached it to my church. And he said, the power of God hit the house and 
My wife, she began to cry and she received the word and this guy left the house and about a minute after he left the house, he said, he called back to our home and he said, listen, my wife is here. She's a, she's a living testimony of this. She's a living witness. He said, the Lord just told me y'all want to have a child. He said, you tell your wife if she released that tonight, you all will conceive and have a child. And my wife went in her prayer room and she screamed and cried out to God and she released it. And let me tell you something, a month later she conceived and we had a child simply by releasing the bitterness. Allow him to adjust how you see the situation. Allow him to adjust how you see people that hurt you. Hurting people hurt people. Come on, is there anybody else in this place? You need some hands to be laid on you so that God can adjust your vision. Come on, come on. The Spirit of God is stirring in this place right now. Let Him move in you. Let Him adjust you. Let Him change you. And here's the good news of it. You say, I got saved a long time ago. That was the first touch. But thank God in the text, Jesus had a second touch. And a third touch. And a fourth touch. And I don't care how many times you need to be touched. Every time you need to be touched, let me tell you something. Jesus will touch you again and again and again and again and again. And he'll keep on touching you. I thank God that he's the God of another touch. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.